The reading this morning is from um, John chapter 9, the whole chapter. Jesus heals the man born blind. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples said to him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one will work, and while I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said this, he spat on the ground and made some mud with saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he said, wash in the pool of Siloam. This means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His disciples and those who had formerly seen him begging said, Is this the man who used to sin and sit and beg? Some claimed he was. Others said, No, and he just looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. Then, and how then were your eyes opened, they demanded. He replied, The man called Jesus made some mud, put it on my eyes, told me to go to Salaam and wash. So I went and washed. Now I can see. Where is this man, they said to him. I don't know, he said. And they brought him to the Pharisees, the man who'd been blind. Since uh, now that day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was the Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed and now I can see. And some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a sinner do such miraculous signs? So they were divided. Finally they came again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It, it, was, it was your eyes he opened. And the man replied, He's a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he'd been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son? they asked. Is this the one you say was born blind? How can he see now? We know that he's our son, his parents answered. We know that he was born blind. And we know he can now see now, for he, for who opened his eyes, we do not know. Ask him, he's of age. He will speak for himself. His parents, and his parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews. And already the Jews had decided that anyone who acknowledges that Jesus was the Christ should be put out of the synagogue. That is why the parents said, he's of age, ask him. The second time they summoned the man who'd been blind. Give glory to God, they said. You know this man's a sinner. And he replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. But one thing I do know, I was blind and now I can see. Then they asked him, what do you, what did he do to you? How did you, how did he open your eyes? And he answered, I've already told you already. Did you not listen? Why do you want to hear again? Do you want to become his disciples too? And they hurled insults at him. You are this fellow's disciples. You are And they said, we are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses. But as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. And the man answered, now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. You know that God does not listen to sinners. 
He listens to the godly man who does his will. No one has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. This man was not from, if this man was not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, you are steeped in sin at birth. Now depart, depart dare you lecture us. And they threw him out. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when they found him, they said, do you believe in the son of man? Who is he, sir? He replied. Tell me that I may believe in him. And Jesus said, You have seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking to you. And the man replied, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. And Jesus said, For the judgment has come into the world, so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were there with him heard him say this and said, What? Are we blind too? And Jesus said, If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now you claim that you can see, your sin remains. Thanks, Chris. Great story. I'm going to pray and uh, we'll have a closer look at that together. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the Gospel of John and uh, the faithful work of your servant John as he recorded the events that he saw uh, with Jesus. As many, many years ago. Thank you that those have been preserved for us down through the ages so that we can read them and uh, reflect on them now. And we ask that you, by your spirit, would help us to see not only uh, the genius and goodness of Jesus, but to be moving us by your spirit personally uh, to love him that much more. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The uh, song, Blinded by the Light, uh, I'm sure that you've heard of it. Bruce Springsteen, uh, he wrote it uh, in, well, 1973. Um, I think we've got a picture of the album cover. Maybe some of you still have that. Uh, <coughs> before my time, so I don't. But anyway, uh, Blinded by the Light. And it was made a hit success three years later by who? Can you remember? The uh, Manfred Mann's Earth Band? Yeah, okay. Uh, <coughs> and revived a few years ago uh, on the soundtrack uh, to a, uh, a fairly uh, well-known film, Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 2. <coughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, this song, Blinded by the Light, uh, has hardly anything to do with the passage that we're looking at today, uh, except perhaps the title... And uh, the refrain, blinded by the light, uh, that runs through it. And the tune. You know the tune? Blinded by the light. Yeah, okay, so we all know it. All right. Remember the tune. Okay, remember the tune, because that'll hopefully help us remember a little bit of the effect that Jesus has on some people as we uh, dive into this passage today. But before we dive into chapter 9, uh, let's recap a bit on uh, where the story uh, is in the Gospel of John, where we're at in that story. Uh, Jesus has found himself in Jerusalem during the time uh, a, a feast, at, uh, a festival called the Feast of Tabernacles. It was a big annual festival for the Jews, uh, a festival to remember when God had saved their ancestors out of slavery in Egypt. And so for a whole week, people would come to Jerusalem, they'd make temporary huts and dwellings, and then they'd celebrate. Uh, in Jesus' day, it said that the community leaders, they danced in the temple courts every night. They sang and they praised God. 
and they're waving some burning branches and there were some huge burning lamps set up in the temple, lamps that shed light all over Jerusalem, probably a little bit like that. And Jesus, he comes to this festival of lights, there's a crowd gathering around him in the temple, it's all lit up and he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but will have the light of life. Now, the religious leaders uh, were pretty grumpy at this. They think he's presumptuous uh, to start with, uh, but it, by saying this and claiming this, but it quickly goes downhill. They call him demon-possessed and they end up trying to stone him because by calling himself the light of the world, it becomes clearer and clearer to them that he's actually saying he's sent from God, that he's equal with God, that he is God, uh, the light in the sense of the source of all life, but these religious leaders, they just can't handle that kind of presumption. Uh, It's madness to them at best. It's demonic at worst. They just can't see Jesus for who he claims to be, which is a running theme here in chapter 9, with the following points, where we see that Jesus is the light, uh, that seeing is symbolic of believing in Jesus, uh, that blindness is symbolic of rejecting Jesus, and that believing is then to testify to the light. So that's where we're going. First up, Jesus is the light. The light in the sense that he is God revealed to people to save them. Uh, Way back in the beginning of the Gospel of John, we're introduced to Jesus. You might remember it, and we're told Jesus is the Word. He was with God in the beginning. He is God, and and through him all things were made. As such, we're told in verse 4 of chapter 1, in him was life, and that life was the light of humankind. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness hasn't understood it. Jesus is God whose life is self-existing. All other life is from him and depends on him. And for people to see this God, to see him, to see God come to save people, It has to be revealed in Jesus. But many are blind when it comes to Jesus. They don't see Jesus as saviour, let alone as God. They're, They're in the dark. Nonetheless, Jesus shines this truth in the darkness, as we see back in chapter 9. Jesus and his disciples, they come across a man born blind. The disciples think he's blind because of sin that he or his parents have committed, but Jesus says he's born blind, verse 3, so that the works of God might be displayed in him. What are the works of God? Well, it's those things that reveal him, reveal God in Jesus, as Jesus finishes off, saying in verse 5, I am the light, while I am the light of the world, sorry, while I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. And as if to make the point, he then turns to the business of making the blind man see. He spits on the the ground, he makes some mud, uh, and then he slaps it on the guy's eyes. Uh, I hope the guy's eyes were um, shut. I mean, like in this picture. Uh, Maybe, though, he didn't even have any eyelids. Uh, Maybe they were just empty sockets. Who who knows? Uh, A bunch of church fathers actually saw an allusion here uh, to Genesis, you know, right back in the beginning where God makes the man out of the dust of the ground and breathes life into his nostrils. And I kind of like that idea uh, applied here to Jesus. And, you know, he makes eyes 
out of the dust of the ground, spitting life into them and uh, and popping the eyeballs in his head <laughs> uh, to see. I mean, however it happens, he uh, the, the blind man he goes and he washes off the mud and he can see. Jesus makes the blind man see. More than that, a man born blind sees, which is unheard of. This is, this is not just a miracle. It's a one-of-a-kind miracle, something only the Creator could do, who has come to do more than just open physical eyes in the person of Jesus as he meets with the man later on and says to him in verse 35, Do you believe in the Son of Man? It seems that Jesus assumes the man knows something of this Son of Man character because he's not asking if he knows him, he's asking if he believes in him, if he trusts in him. Now, this Son of Man character is spoken of hundreds of years earlier in the Jewish scriptures, in the book of Daniel. Uh, He's seen to go into the very presence of God and to be worshipped as only God should be by every nation on earth. And this divine Son of Man character got linked in with Jewish hopes for the Messiah. And Jesus claims to be this divine Son of Man and Messiah. Uh, Verse 37, uh, Jesus said to the blind man now seeing, you have now seen him, the Son of Man. In fact, he's the one speaking to you. Jesus is the divine Son of Man who's come not just to heal the sick and the disabled, but to shine the light of eternal life by faith in him. Shine the light on who God is by faith in him. And in this way we see Jesus is the light of the world, not just the source and sustainer of all life. He's he's the light as he reveals God come in the flesh to save people and give them eternal life. When I first came to this church about 14 years ago, uh, Chris Arndt, uh, hi Chris if you're online, uh, he gave me a torch as a gift. I think it was about a million power, a million candle power torch. It was intense. It was an ten- intense torch. And I can remember taking it home later on and shining it in the night sky um, and being stunned by the beam. It just seemed to like carve through the darkness. It was awesome. Um, lighting up brilliantly whatever it landed on. And I thought actually it'd be a little bit funny if I lit up my face with it, you know, like a bit of a spooky mask. Um, it wasn't wasn't fun at all, it just hurt my eyes. And uh, even though I wasn't looking directly at it, I was just looking up here and it was shining like, like that. Uh, but I'm sure everybody else saw me. And everyone would have had no doubt who was being an idiot, shining a million power candle in their face. Uh, well, in the same way, Jesus is the light of the world. He's the million trillion power torch on the face of God to show him come to save people. And as this light, he can make the blind see physically, but more importantly, he can make them see spiritually and see clearly by showing them who Jesus is, to see him for who he is. Which brings us to the second point, seeing is believing. Because all throughout uh, this story, here in John 9, the idea of seeing, it's symbolic of believing. uh, Believing in Jesus. In this way then, seeing is believing. And given the symbolism in this chapter, that we're told the man was born, was blind since birth, suggests then he's spiritually blind since birth too. Which actually the Pharisees get right, as they are chucking him out of the synagogue later. 
might remember him saying in verse 30, them saying in verse 34, you are steeped in sin at birth. And they're right. <laughs> the once blind man was steeped in sin at birth. But so were they. And everyone else. Everybody is. Because sin is not just the bad things that we think, say and do. It's the attitude within us that says, I'll do whatever I think is good. And no one, especially God, can tell me otherwise. But it's even deeper than that. Because the attitude is something that we inherit from our parents, who inherited from their parents, who inherited it from theirs, and so on and so on, all the way back to Adam and Eve. Sin is part of our human nature. We just, we can't help but sin. Because we're born with a sinful nature. And yet, sin is still wrong. We're both victims and perpetrators of sin. Yeah, it's a little bit like a boy who grows up with parents who are thieves. The only thing he ever knows is that thieving is part of life. Nonetheless, he's still culpable if he steals something. He might be a victim of his upbringing, which makes him it impossible for him not to steal, but nonetheless he's still wrong by stealing. Like this, we're both victims and perpetrators. Victims of the human of the human sinful nature and perpetrators of sin. But it's even deeper than this. Because not only are we victims and perpetrators of sin, slaves, so to speak, of sin, we're, we're blind to it. In fact, we're so blind to it, we think we're free. Free to do whatever we want, any old time. Like we're the king or queen of our own little world, when in fact we're pigs, little pigs squealing with delight in our own filth and we don't even know it. That's what it means to be spiritually blind. We just can't see and won't see the light on our own. But Jesus, as Jesus makes clear, he is the light. He's not only the source of all life, he's the one who reveals God, which is what he does with the blind man. He physically opens his eyes to start with, but then opens his spiritual eyes by revealing himself to him. Verse 35 again, where he says, do you believe in the Son of Man? Uh, the man says, well, who, who is it, sir? Tell me so that I might believe. And Jesus said, you've now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. And then the man says, wonderfully, Lord, I believe. And he worships him. To see spiritually is to believe in Jesus. The Son of Man, who is God, come in the flesh to suffer and die in our place, to save us from the consequences and slavery of sin and truly set us free to live eternally with God. If you're listening here today and you feel totally in the dark when it comes to God and life, lost, alone, broken and hopeless, trapped and incapable of getting yourself out, Jesus is here and he wants to heal you of your spiritual blindness. He wants to save you and only he can. And he's asking, do you believe in the Son of Man? Please hear that. Please see him for who he is, the one who laid down his life for you. Put your trust in him today. And that can look like saying a simple prayer like the the healed blind man.
saying, all you need to say is, Lord, I believe. I believe you. And you'll see. Jesus is the light of the world. So that those who are spiritually blind might see by believing in him. But as the light of the world, he also blinds those who think they can see. They're blinded by the light. Got the chin? Which is the third point. And remember that chin. Particularly when we touch on the Pharisees in this story. Because they go to incredible lengths to not see Jesus for who he claims to be. And it all seems to ride on their understanding of this thing called the Sabbath. We see this uh, from verse 13. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been born blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man isn't from God, for he doesn't keep the Sabbath. Now the Old Testament law says not to work on the Sabbath. The Pharisees are right. Can't work on the Sabbath. The Pharisees, though, had decided that there were a bunch of different classes of work. Some think uh, that they possibly had up to 39 different classes of work, things like uh, carrying anything from one place to another, uh, or healing, that's work, or kneading, that's work. So according to these traditions, healing a blind man by kneading some mud is clearly work. And so Jesus has broken the Sabbath, according to these dudes. And no one from God would break the Sabbath. So Jesus can't be from God, they say. But this, this all rides on their interpretation of the law, on their traditions that they've surrounded about this Sabbath law. And they refuse to even consider the possibility that Jesus is from God, despite the fact that this incredible miracle has occurred. The man has testified to it. His parents have testified to it. A bunch of people have testified to it. This guy born blind now miraculously sees... And there is no record in scripture or heard of at the time or at any time of anyone being born blind, healed. But And there's also a bunch of references though uh, in the scriptures to the Messiah giving sight to the blind that the Pharisees would have known, like in the prophet Isaiah who prophesies of the Messiah saying, I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles to open Eyes that are blind to free captives from prison and to release from the dungeon those who sit in the darkness prophesied hundreds of years ago and that the Pharisees would have known about, but the Pharisees, they just, they're just so set on dismissing and condemning Jesus because he doesn't follow their rules. He's a threat to their authority as the men who know about God and what he wants. And so they push back on all the evidence about Jesus and they lean heavily on their own traditions to dismiss him and reject him. But in, so, in doing so, they show they're spiritually blind. As Jesus says to them in verse 29, uh, 39, sorry, for judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. Some of the Pharisees who were uh, with him then heard him say this and they asked, what, are we blind too? And Jesus says, well, if you were blind... You wouldn't be guilty of sin, but now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. According to Jesus, to claim to see or know God and to then reject Jesus because he's a threat to you, a threat to your thinking on God, 
and your traditions and the way of life that you have, it's to be blind, spiritually blind. It's to be guilty of rejecting God himself. It's to be in the dark. Or to stay in the dark. Jesus is the light to show us God and save us from our sins. So if he's opened your eyes to this, if you've seen the light, don't be threatened by him. Don't fear that his light might expose the dark parts of your life to destroy you. Don't be blinded by the light and draw away from him. Trust him. He's not going to condemn you if you let him shine in your life. He wants to heal you and give you life. One of the classrooms here uh, in the building, up the back, uh, has a little bit of mold, trouble with mould lately um, yeah, because of a lot of rain that happened poured in there not that while ago, long ago. Uh, thanks to all those on Wednesday, by the way, who came and cleared that room. You guys are awesome. Uh, help clean that uh, bit of mould. But the reason why the mould has got in there um, is because when the roof leaked and the carpet uh, cupboards got wet, even though they had fans on them for days and days, you know what's not in there? Sunlight. There's no sunlight. So the mould just can grow easily. See where I'm going? Jesus is like sunlight on mould. He's come to heal, not to harm. You only harm yourself if you turn from him, if you turn from him and his light, if you're blinded by the light, like the Pharisees were in their traditions. I wonder what traditions we might judge Jesus by, that we might push him away, that we might not let his light shine on. What sacred cows do we have? Maybe it's a day, like it was for the Pharisees. Maybe it's Sundays, because that's our special day, to be done the way that we just want it. Why would we interrupt them for Jesus and what he wants? Like being with his people, taking the Lord's Supper together, singing together, serving him together. What is it that's sacred to you? That if Jesus defiled it, you'd be tempted to question whether he's from God. What if it was your family? What if Jesus broke that apart because someone believed and others don't? What if it's a romantic relationship? What if Jesus broke that up because you won't compromise? You just won't compromise on certain things. What if it's getting more money at work? What if it's having a good reputation as a hard worker? What if it's being known as the good boy or the good girl? What if it's being hard line on one particular issue? What if Jesus shining God more into your life might mean pushing those things off the altar of your life, of your heart, or giving them up? Could you do it? Let's not be like the Pharisees who are unwilling to let Jesus challenge their traditions and their strongly held beliefs things that they held dear, that were sacred to them, let's not be blinded by the light, threatened by Jesus and his claims over every part of our lives. Instead, let's turn more towards Jesus and be prepared to open ourselves up more and more to him so that we might enjoy the light and testify to the light, which brings us to the final point. 
testifying to the light, as the blind man does, testifying to Jesus. And as Jesus encourages his disciples right back at the start there, where he says in verse 4, as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night's coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. If Jesus is the light of the world, then the night is when he's not shining. He's talking about his death there, when he's taken away from his disciples, a time when no one can do the work of God. But the simple fact is that up to the point of his death and from the day of his resurrection, he is with his disciples. It's daytime, so to speak, because as the light, Jesus is with them. He was with his disciples back then in the flesh and he's with his disciples now by the Holy Spirit. As Jesus says later on in the Gospel of John, I will ask the Father and he will give you another counsellor, he says to his disciples, to be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world can't accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I, through the Spirit, will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Such the Apostle Paul can say this wonderful thing. If the spirit of him who raised Christ Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. You didn't receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. As we believe in Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives in us and testifies with our spirit that we're God's children. It's pretty hard, then, for people to argue with your own experience of Jesus by the Spirit, of knowing your sins forgiven and of having the confidence and the intimacy with God to call him Abba, Dad. No matter what others thoughts on Jesus are, they can't stop you having yours and telling them. So tell them. As people ask you why you believe, even if they've already decided Jesus is a joke, tell them what he is to you. Talk of what Jesus has done for you. The healed blind man is a good model. Like him, we might start with, well, whatever you might think about Jesus, all I know is that once I was blind, but now I see. I was in a conversation the other day with a couple of people. One of them uh, had grown up in church, grew up in church, but she'd walked away from Christianity. But she's keen to find a boyfriend, particularly a Christian guy, because her experience is some of uh, they're some of the best guys. And she joked uh, she might like might be able to get them to see the light of unbelief. But the other person there in the conversation said, "Well, <laughs> good luck fighting against the Holy Spirit." And I thought, "Yeah." Good comment. Good luck with that. Because those who've seen the light of Jesus, who see Jesus for who he is and what he's done for them, they've got the Holy Spirit in them, who testifies with their spirit, testifies that they are God's precious people, dearly, unconditionally and eternally loved by him. They don't need to fear anyone rejecting them or belittling them. They don't need to fear letting go of unhelpful and maybe idolatrous traditions in their lives. They can joyfully testify to what Jesus has done for them and is doing for them, knowing this is God's work that Jesus wants us to do with him.
So in finishing up, we see that Jesus is the light. God revealed to save people and that seeing him for who he is is believing, which means we're saved and have eternal life and that we don't need to be blinded by the light, threatened by Jesus as he challenges what is sacred and unhelpful for us. But with him, by the Holy Spirit, we can confidently testify to him as the light. And I'm going to pray that that will be the case for us today and onwards. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you so much for Jesus, that he is the light. God revealed, come not to crush and destroy people, but to save them. We thank you that you have revealed him to us, revealed yourself to us through him, so that we can see And we praise you for that. Help us not to be fearful or threatened by Jesus and the light of Jesus as he seeks to make us expose those parts of us that are still enjoying darkness, but to trust him and to love him and to let him in and to get rid of those and enjoy the life that you have shone in Christ for us. And as we do this, Father, help us as we enjoy living in the light to testify to that light. To those around about us that are so in darkness, help us to bear witness to Jesus, to savour the conversations where we get to talk about what he's done for us and what he means to us and that you would provide many, many more opportunities for us to do that. We thank and we praise you that Jesus is the light. And we say these things in his name. Amen.